Hello and welcome to HiViz, the Cause Chambers Westgarth Construction Podcast. My name is Alison Tay and I'm a special counsel in the construction team here at Cause. I'm joined today by Andrew McCormack, a partner in our Brisbane office. We'll be discussing recent developments in Queensland concerning the state government's market-led proposals framework. Andrew, the Queensland Treasurer recently released revised guidelines for Queensland's market-led proposals framework. Can you briefly explain exactly what is a market-led proposal and what Queensland's MLP framework looks like? A market-led proposal, or MLP, is a proposal from the private sector to government to provide services or infrastructure which fulfils a community need that is typically provided for by the government's. The key distinction between an MLP and more usual government-led procurement is that the private sector proponent is looking for an exclusive arrangement with the government to negotiate the terms of the transaction, as opposed to participating in a competitive tender process with other bidders in an effort to secure the mandate to provide that service or infrastructure. Now, most Australian jurisdictions have their own MLP framework, and there is indeed a fair degree of commonality between how those different regimes operate. Unfortunately, one common theme that has befallen perhaps all MLP uh, frameworks in Australia is that as a percentage of the market-led proposals that have been presented to governments, only a small portion have actually successfully navigated the MLP process and become live projects that have actually been delivered. The MLP framework in Queensland is not markedly different from that that exists in other jurisdictions like New South Wales and Victoria. Essentially, it is a three-stage process by which the private sector submits proposals to government. The first stage is an initial proposal. If the first stage is successfully navigated, the second stage requires preparation of a detailed proposal. And finally, uh, if that process is successfully navigated, stage three is when a final binding offer is negotiated and presented to the government so that the transaction can close and the project or service can be delivered. Uh, There is also, at the very outset of the process, an optional informal pre-submission stage where a proponent can contact the government and discuss the potential for a particular proposal before they proceed too far along the track. Um, Given the strike rate for successful MLPs uh, across the nation, this is perhaps a good idea to engage in where there may be some doubt as to whether the investment of time and resource in taking the MLP forward is in fact worth it. Turning then to the recent developments, in terms of how MLPs are assessed in Queensland, what has changed? So the key change that's been made to the MLP framework in Queensland is the replacement of what was previously known as the uniqueness test. Previously, MLPs had to satisfy this uniqueness test, which required a proponent to demonstrate that their proposal was unique and that they were uniquely placed to deliver it. Market feedback uh, in Queensland and indeed in, in other parts of the uh, of the country was very much that this placed a very high threshold for market-led proposals and really hindered the process and undermined the whole purpose of the MLP framework, which was to drive economic opportunities. 
The Queensland government's response to that has been to replace this uniqueness test, as I said, with a new requirement, which is effectively that the proposal must justify direct negotiation with the government. In other words, why should the government negotiate directly and exclusively with a particular, with a particular proponent as opposed to engaging in a more usual competitive tender process? Andrew, previously there were nine assessment criteria used to assess an MLP in Queensland. Has this changed too? Yes, Alison, that's right. Um, Previously there were nine criteria used to assess a market-led proposal in Queensland. These have now been distilled down to six, four which apply at stage one and a further two criteria which apply at stage two of the process I described earlier. The four criteria which apply at stage one of the MLP process, that's the initial proposal phase, are as follows. First, alignment with government policy, priority and community need. The emphasis here is that a proposal should be low cost and low risk for for government. The second criteria is a justification for direct negotiation. That's what's replaced the previous uniqueness test that we talked about before. In essence, uh, the proposal must offer good value to government and, uh, and some benefit that other competitors are unable to provide. The third criteria has not really changed. It's value for money. In the absence of a competitive process, which is the usual barometer as to whether a value-for-money proposition has been offered, there are other ways that parties can reference the fact that value-for-money is being provided, such as independent valuations, um, an open book process in terms of costing, or through competitively tendering aspects of the MLP. And the fourth criteria is that the proponent must demonstrate a capacity and capability to deliver the project that is the subject of its proposal. And if you get successfully past the stage one assessment, what happens in stage two? Well, Alison, if one successfully negotiates the stage one assessment, in stage two there are further two criteria that are applied when considering whether the MLP should go forward. Um, The first of these concerns risk allocation and associated with that cost allocation. If the proposal seeks to uh, apportion a particular risk or require a particular contribution in cost terms from government, the proponent will need to demonstrate a significant and proportionate benefit to the state in return for the state accepting that risk allocation or cost contribution. And finally, to round things off, in the assessment, as you wouldn't be surprised to learn, uh, the government will be keen to understand and verify that the project that's being presented is feasible both technically, commercially and practically. Many of us would be interested to know, in your opinion, is there a key issue that a market-led proposal needs to address if it is to be successful in Queensland? That's a good question, Alison. I think if one was to look at perhaps not just Queensland but beyond, the key theme that that flows through all market-led proposals that have been successful is to be able to demonstrate that there aren't any other active proposals or competitors who can fulfill the the community need that's sought to be addressed by the proposal um, for the same price 
or in the same way. Uh, For example, if there are two proponents who can uh, say that we can satisfy this particular community need or supply this particular piece of infrastructure but offer different methods of delivery, that perhaps indicates that there is in fact a competitive market that uh, would justify going with a competitive tender process and not entering into direct negotiation with one party with an exclusive mandate to negotiate with them. Having said that, one might uh, comment that, well, what has really changed in Queensland? Aren't we just asking for a proposal to be unique um, but with different language in order to succeed through the MLP framework in this state? Now, only time will really tell whether that's a, a valid observation or not. But what I would say is that the the move away from this concept of uniqueness to justifying um, a, a reason for directly negotiating with one party on an exclusive basis, I think broadens the opportunity for government to engage uh, with proponents who are putting forward proposals to them. It doesn't have to be unique, one of a kind, but there has to be sufficient merit to the proposal or sufficient benefits to the state that that no one else can provide or that they provide on a greater scale than any competitor could provide to justify the state not going with a competitive process and engaging with one party. It'll be interesting to see, indeed, if other jurisdictions uh, move along a similar line and seek to broaden the remit of market-led proposals, which is something that, that the construction and infrastructure market is certainly looking to do. Thank you for joining me today, Andrew. It will be interesting to see how the market responds to this change in approach to the assessment of MLPs. And to our listeners, we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Cause High Biz. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.